Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series focusing on issues related to religion, culture, and politics. In this episode, Emily Judd interviews Jason McLennan, renowned architect and consultant on Yale Divinity School's Living Village, a sustainable, net-positive energy student housing complex scheduled to open in 2025 and that responds to the environmental crisis through methods including solar power, rainwater capture, and reuse of building wastewater. He shares more about the ethos of the project. Facilities, especially at a divinity school, uh, really should reflect the values of the institution, the values of, uh, of, of the people uh, that it houses, and I think that's really the idea here. McLennan also shares what inspired him to create the Living Building Challenge, an international program and standard for creating sustainable buildings. A lot of buildings have toxic legacies, that, uh, and those toxins end up typically in the poorest communities. And he responds to critics who say that building sustainable structures is too costly and impractical. Over time, the operating costs are significantly lower. You don't have an energy and water bill when you're, you know, internalizing those things. You're the founder and creator of the Living Building Challenge, widely considered the world's most progressive and stringent green building program. Can you explain what exactly is a living building? What's considered a living building? Yeah, happy to. Um, Basically, what we're trying to do is imagine buildings that actually have a net positive impact on the world. Um, And so what I often like to do is have people imagine nature's architecture, whether it's trees or plants and and the impacts that that it has on the the planet and compare our buildings to that. So a a tree gets all of its energy, for example, from the sun, from photosynthesis. It uh, gets all of its water from the amount of water it can harvest uh, from the sky uh, and it creates uh, habitat uh, for other organisms, just like our buildings are habitat uh, for us, uh, and it does it without creating waste. In fact, it, it builds soil and, and creates new life. Um, so it's a great way of thinking about buildings, and a living building, in essence, is saying, how do we do that? How do we create buildings that, like trees and like flowers, are better for the planet uh, long term? What's the difference between a building that's considered a living building and maybe like a sustainable building. Is it essentially the same thing? Or are there like requirements for something to be a living building? Yeah, no, they're not quite the same thing. One thing that I tell people is that there are shades of green. Just, just like the world is not black and white, uh, green buildings exist on a continuum uh, from light mm-hmm. green to dark green, if you will. And a lot of what people consider to be sustainable is what I would consider to be light green. It's really about doing a little bit less bad, minimizing your harm, um, which ultimately is not good enough. Um, we actually have to be regenerative. We have to do more than than minimize our, our, you know, our impact. We actually have to have positive impacts. And that's the realm that the Living Building Challenge plays in. Um, the Living Building Challenge is actually a certification program with stringent guidelines and requirements that have to be met in order to be called a living building. Uh, and that rigor is important when you're defining something uh, that really is a deep green solution. Now, this year, Yale Divinity School will break ground on its own living village, which will provide affordable housing for students in a net positive energy building. As you said, it means that it will generate more energy 
then it consumes. You're a consultant on the project, so I'm curious if you can share maybe some behind-the-scenes information. Yeah, absolutely. It's an exciting project and one that I've been part of for, for many years, uh, helping the Divinity School with its original planning and visioning of the project and uh, continuing on uh, through multiple uh, iterations of design. Uh, and it's an important project, I think, for, for not only the Divinity School, um, but for, uh, for Yale as an institution as well. And I think the, the idea is really uh, that uh, facilities, especially at a Divinity School, uh, really should reflect the values of the institution, the values of, uh, of, of the people uh, that it houses. And I think that's really the idea here, uh, to really help um, you know, future leaders that will come to the Divinity School to study and learn, uh, doing so and living in facilities that really are about making the world a better place. Um, reflecting those values literally in stone and wood and, and concrete. Actually, you wrote an article for the YDS Journal, and you wrote that, I have long felt that the environmental crisis is also a crisis of faith. How so? We have all the science that we need to have on things like climate change. We, we know the data. Um, we, we know the trajectory. We know that the impact that's happening is because of humanity's actions. And it's, it hasn't been enough to, uh, to generate the kind of change that we know that is needed. So we, we, the science has been telling us for a long time that our, uh, that our buildings, our lifestyles are not sustainable. Um, you know, so why are we not moving faster? Uh, and really this is uh, a matter of, of, of morals, of values, of faith. It may be surprising to some people that the first living building at Yale University is being undertaken by the Divinity School, a theological school, rather than, let's say, an environmental school. And on your website, the YDS Living Village is described as providing a model for religious institutions to apply eco-theology. What's your perspective on the relationship between religion and the environment? Well, I, you know, I don't find it that's surprising, I think, because the you know it, all the all the living buildings that we see have always um, come forward when there's leadership, and I think there's there's been strong leadership with 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 Greg Sterling and 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 others at the Divinity School to really care about the planet and care about um, the impact that the school has on the world. The ethos behind this project, uh, in my mind, is that. The Divinity School has an opportunity uh, to, to send a message to all the students and, and you know, future uh, you know, professors and instructors that come through that the institution is really walking its talk, that the values that it talks about, um, being a steward for the planet, uh, caring about community, building new facilities that are consistent with those values on a deep level um, is incredibly important. When we think about how we build buildings, for example, a lot of buildings have toxic legacies that, uh, and those toxins end up typically in the poorest communities. Uh, uh, the impacts of, of construction impact the health and well-being of people in places that we don't even see. So, and it's easy for people to uh, not think about the things that they can't see. But if you, again, are, are someone that, that believes that we have a, a higher purpose, that, that we have a calling uh, to make the world a better place and to truly help people, then you can't 
build uh, in ways that uh, that cause those kinds of harms and be consistent with your belief system. And so this is a, a, a project, I think, that is really saying, no, look, we, we want to think about everything, the, the way the building is built, the way that it'll be operated, the impacts to the environment, the impacts to human health and, and, and toxins. And all these things together means that we have to express our faith in bricks and mortar in a very different way. Now, in your TED Talk, you said that there were many critics of green building when you first started out on this mission. When did you see the tide start to change toward acceptance and engagement in green building? Well, we still have a long way to go, um, is, is the honest truth. It definitely, when I started my career, I, I, used, I would always say that the wind was in my face. And it's it's lightly it's a breeze lightly at my back now, <laughs> but it's not uh, certainly going as fast and as far as we would all like. Uh, but when we started, you know, people thought it was going to be a fad uh, that this wasn't uh, a you know a serious topic, um, and and that's changed where most people in the building industry recognize that sustainability, green building, is incredibly important. Um, and it's just a question of how far and how fast they are willing to go. Um, then, and there's certainly been um, in a noticeable shift in the last few years, in large part because the economics have been changing as well. And it's easier for a lot of people to get behind something when the economics support it, uh, in addition to mm-hmm. um, you know what they care about. So those two things have really start to you know started to shift the the direction of the wind, shall we say? So I'm just curious, like, uh, has the major criticism been that it's too expensive to do green building? Well, I think that that was part of the narrative. Part of the narrative, especially if you go back in time a couple decades, was that it was too expensive and not practical, etc. Um, we've proven that it's it's more than practical. It's it's a better approach, uh, and the economics have gotten better and better every year. And, and certainly, if you're wanting to do something as significant as a living building where you're generating all your energy with, with renewables, you're capturing all your water, you're not using any you know, redless chemicals in the building, that currently has a cost because that's not the way that our society is set up uh, to do things. So you're internalizing things that were externalities before. But the cost mm-hmm. is not that high. And the benefits and the long-term value is significant. So over time, for example, this is one of the smartest financial decisions that the Divinity School could make because over time, the operating costs are significantly lower. You don't have an energy and water bill when you're, you know, internalizing those things, for example. And if you're building a building with better materials, they last longer as well. Um, there's less operating and maintenance costs as well. So it's a, it's a smart economic move, and, uh, and that's why we're starting to get traction, frankly. As an architect and an environmentalist, what do you consider to be the biggest challenge to sustainability efforts today? We talked about, you know, cost, um, but what do you think? Is that the biggest challenge? Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I'm not sure it ever was, but it was always the, the stated reason. The real reason is the stuff between our ears, to be honest with you. The biggest barriers are, are you know, institutional uh, and cultural and personal. It's the, the stories that we tell ourselves, the, uh, the, our attraction to doing things the way we've always uh, been doing them, 
our unwillingness to change. Um, you know, it's human foibles <laughs> really uh, that mm-hmm. that is is the biggest barriers. Uh, people put up roadblocks to change. People put up roadblocks to things that they don't understand, um, and they want things to stay the same out of out of habit. Sometimes, um, I think that. Sometimes it's laziness, sometimes it's greed, uh, you know, it, 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 it can be a variety of things, but people, um, you know, are the, are the biggest barriers. And that's again why this project is so important because when you have uh, living, breathing examples of a new paradigm that people can see, it's less scary. The, you know, people that will visit the Divinity School will say, oh, this is what it means to live in a living building. Oh, I like this, I want this. Why is it important for educational institutions like Yale to make a commitment to sustainability projects that minimize environmental impact, like the Living Village? Well, I think I think leaders have to lead. Um, if if institutions that have the resources and the clout of Yale don't do this, then then who will? You know, I think it's it's imperative that that institutions that have the means and that understand, again, the science and understand, you know, the, 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 the moral reasons as well behind why we need to change. If they don't provide, you know, the models and the inspiration, it's certainly uh, not reasonable to expect others. Um, so I think that this is an important moment for, for Yale to step into the idea of, of, you know, moving away from light green buildings and, and really become a beacon of hope and a beacon of inspiration uh, for uh, for people around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today, but thank you also for your efforts. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.